This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We've been uh, teaching on a series uh, for a number of weeks uh, that we've uh, entitled Overcoming Offenses. And I want to talk to you about something this morning, a a part of this this morning that, um, well, uh, let me say it this way. It seems to me that the biggest reason that people remain in offenses is because they don't know they're offended. The, um, uh, the devil obviously is a deceiver. The Bible, one of the names the Bible gives him is a deceiver. And it's an, it's an amazing thing to me how many people don't realize they're offended. They may, they may call it other things. They may say, well, I've been hurt. But somehow or another, they don't recognize that as an offense. And they look at that hurt as being the result of what somebody else did to them and don't realize that the devil uses that offense and their failure to deal with that offense to hold them in bondage. And so we, we want to approach this thing, and we have been trying to approach this thing from a lot of different angles. Uh, this morning we want to come up the mountain a little different way, take a different path up the, up the same mountain that we've been going around. But I want to talk to you specifically about uh, the relationship of uh, offenses or the, the contrast, I guess would be a better way to say it, between offenses and peace. Notice in uh, Psalm 119, verse 165, The Holy Ghost says to us, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Notice the relationship between peace and the the law of God, the word of God, and how that is the, and, and honestly, folks, it is the only defense against being offended. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, yeah, but I know I've been offended, and I love the word. Well, what does that mean? That means you're not being a doer of it. Loving the law of God, loving the word of God doesn't mean you just like it. It doesn't mean that you're just willing to hear it. It doesn't even mean you've got your closet stacked with tapes and CDs and and whatever else, what other medium there is to hear the word of God. It doesn't say great peace comes from from, uh, having a lot of tapes. It says great peace comes from loving the law. That means being a doer thereof. You know, one of the things that um, um, Paul said to Timothy, wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I believe it is, he talked about one of the, the conditions of the end times. And he talks about how people will be lovers of themselves and, and there will be um, um, uh, a condition where people are, are trying to draw themselves teachers, having itching ears. In other words, they want to uh, hear from the teacher that says what they want to hear. And, uh, and it goes further and it talks about a group of people that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning and never come to, able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now think about what that means. Ever learning. They're learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, we could put a lot of word people in that category because they're always learning. They're always looking for something new. They're always listening to tapes. They're always doing whatever it is they can do to hear more and more of the word. But not everybody that hears is going to grow in the knowledge of the truth. Not everybody is ever going to to come to the place where it becomes real to them. What makes the difference? Easy. James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See, you can hear the word all, all the rest of your life, and it, unless you put it in practice, unless you become a doer of the word, it's not going to do you any good. So in other words, if we apply those things, those principles to this verse of Scripture, that means the only way peace is going to be yours is to be a doer of the word. But you can be a doer of the word to such a degree that nothing offends you. Now, a lot of times 
we're not doers of the word because we drop our guards with the people that are close to us. And we think, well, they love us and they're going to do good for us, or at least they should because I'm so great. And, uh, and therefore, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to be conscious of doing the word and, and, and standing guard and, and stuff like that in my personal life. Well, says who? Whoever gets a pass on that? Great peace have they that love thy law. In other words, great peace have they that are doers of thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Turn with me now over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 tells us uh, of when um, John has been cast into prison. You remember the story how that Herod doesn't like John's preaching. John the Baptist doesn't like his preaching because he said that he did wrong with his brother's wife and that kind of stuff. And so um, as politicians do, you get rid of the people that are saying you did wrong. So it says in verse 2, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, it says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now wait just a minute. Isn't John the one that was baptizing in the Jordan River and Jesus came to him and he saw heaven open and the Holy Ghost descend on him in bodily shape and remain on him? And John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John's the the uh, the gospel of john tells us and john the uh, apostle john was one of john the baptist's disciples so he knew intimately of of these things and he said that john the baptist said that the only way that he would know who the christ was he knew what his ministry was his ministry was to be the forerunner of the messiah but the only way that he'd know who the messiah was was when he saw heaven open and the holy ghost come down so he saw these things he heard the voice everybody heard the voice from heaven God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that should answer the question, shouldn't it? Well, why is he asking now later on, a couple of years later in his ministry, why in the world is he sending disciples to John or to Jesus, excuse me? Why is he sending his disciples to Jesus saying, are you really the guy? The reason he sent them is after it says he heard the works that Jesus was doing. Well, what works? People are being healed. Blind eyes are being opened. People that were crippled are walking. All kinds of signs and wonders and miracles are taking place. When he heard these things, that's when he sent his disciples and said, Jesus, are you really the one? He ought to know better than this, shouldn't he? What happened? He got discouraged. He's in prison, and he handled prison just like so many of us handle prison. We think, this is not the way it's supposed to go at all. Maybe he didn't think that this was going to be the way his life would end. I've been surprised by some turns in life, haven't you? I've been surprised by some defeats that I thought should have been victories, haven't you? Well, what happens? That's the place where a lot of people will turn away and that's it for them. That's the place where a lot of people will get offended and they'll say, well, that, this is no way am I going to follow God if this is how things are going to go. And that becomes the end point of their service to the Lord or following God's plan. John's right on the edge. He knows he's facing his own execution. He knows why he's in prison. He knows what's coming next. So he sends disciples. Jesus, are you the one? Notice how Jesus responds. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. Now, if, if we went over to Luke, we'd find out that Luke gives us a little bit more information about this. Because when the guys come and say, are you the one? The Bible says in the very same hour, Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed the lame. 
caused the, and healed the sick and, and cast out devils and stuff like that. He did it in that very hour. So what he's saying, go show them. He's saying, show them the things that you witnessed while you were here, not just things that you were told about. Go show John again those things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's not a bad afternoon. But then notice what else he said. Now here's his message to John. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended at me. This word offended means entrapped. Now, what's happening? What's happening with John the Baptist in prison is the same thing that happens to you and me when we get in uncomfortable or difficult circumstances. The devil comes and he brings the thought that maybe it's not the way that you believed. Maybe this word that you were told was true, this this scripture that says healing belongs to you, maybe it's not like that after all. It's the thoughts that the enemy brings. It's the only way the devil can operate, folks. Every circumstance that the devil twists and turns and influences in your life is for one and only one reason, and that is to plant the thoughts in your mind that God's word is not true. It's the only road that he's got to travel. And that road, that thought that he brings to you that contradicts or is contrary to the word of God, to the truth of God's word, is the way that he ensnares each and every person. Whether you fall into the traps, up to you. But it's the way he lays the trap for us. And Jesus said, blessed is he, blessed is he. Here's the blessing of God. Blessed is he whosoever is not offended in me. In other words, he's saying the blessing comes from believing the truth of God's word, no matter what you might see, to the contrary, no matter what you might feel, to the contrary, no matter what you might think, that contradicts the truth of the word. Blessed is he that passes up every opportunity to be offended and sticks with the truth of the word. That's what he's saying. Those are my words, but it's the same thing that he's saying, isn't it? That's what it means. Blessed, here's the blessing. The blessing of God is to refuse to be offended by anything that contradicts or is contrary to the truth of the word. That's where the blessing of God is. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> Jesus tells us the, uh, the parable of the sower and the word. I'm going to read the parable and then just uh, talk about one of the parts of it. Uh, verse 2. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And the other fell on good ground, it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, Jesus is telling us, he explains to his disciples the meaning of this parable. And, and actually, he says, uh, um, notice in verse 13, he's, here's his explanation. He said, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? He's saying the truth of this parable, what he's trying to get across to them in this story, through this illustration, is the foundation, is the principle for everything else in the kingdom of God. Here's how it works, in other words. And then he explains the sower sows the word. Well, he mentions four different types of ground. The wayside is one type of person. The stony ground is another type of person. The thorny ground is another type of person. And the good ground is the fourth type of person. 
So he's talking about the good ground of your heart or the, the, the condition of your heart. And so he says some people, as soon as the word comes, the, the devil takes it away immediately. How does he do that? Folks, there's only one way the devil ever can work. Please understand this. There's only one way the devil ever can work, and that is to plant thoughts in your mind. Circumstances are designed, contrary circumstances, difficult circumstances, hard places in life that the devil is behind, that the devil influences, are designed for one and only one thing, and that is to plant wrong thoughts in your mind. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, that's provision. That's the penalty or the uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes, you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing? Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So he does everything that he can to try to rob you, and he robs you through one and only one means, and that is wrong thoughts. I get amused at some people that, that get into this stuff and talk about, well, we've got to pray and pull down strongholds. The only stronghold you're ever going to need to pull down are wrong thoughts in your mind. And it doesn't take a lot of prayer to do that. It takes the truth of the Word, the knowledge of God's Word to do that. But see, people are trying to do things all different ways than what the Bible says. Oh, let's pray. Let's get excited and pray. Let's have some big prayer meeting and say it's all done. Well, good luck with that. Because as soon as you finish praying, things are going to be just the same way they were as before as far as your thinking is concerned. Because unless you renew your mind to the Word, you're going to think wrong thoughts. It's the default setting for the world. You've already learned how to think wrong thoughts. You've already learned how to think contrary to the Word. If it's going to change, it's going to be because you change it. And it won't change otherwise. So these four different types of people, these four different conditions of heart, how does the devil steal the word away from the wayside? He brings the wrong thought. As soon as the word is preached, they think, that kind of person thinks, well, that can't be true. Healing can't be true. I knew too many Christians that are sick. And they dismiss it instantly. The devil's got them. The next type of ground, though, is what I want you to see. Notice it says in verse 16, and these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. Notice it says likewise. Same word was sown, but not only is it likewise in the manner that the word was sown, it's likewise in the manner that the devil is operating. The devil was able to steal the word away immediately from the wayside type of person. Not so quickly from the stony ground type of person. These are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, they did hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words. That means they they received some measure of faith regarding the truth that they heard, right? If for the word to be true, it's got to be consistent. So when they heard the word, there's a measure of faith that they start in. 
who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. The word received means to take hold of. They take hold of it. They hear it. They say, wow, this is great news. Yeah, this is great. Let's take hold of that. Starts off good, doesn't it? But they have no root in themselves. The word root is the word moisture in the Greek. They have no moisture in themselves. He said in the, speaking in the parable, it says he doesn't have any depth of earth. What it means is they don't continue to water the word of God. And so therefore the roots don't go down deep enough to hold them steady. Now, Paul talked about this right into the Corinthians. He talked about uh, the ministry of the word. He said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So what's he saying? He's saying, I preached the word of God to you. And because you hadn't heard it before, that was planting the seed. He said, but Apollos watered the seed. His work was just as important as mine. He watered the seed. Well, what did Paul or what did Apollos water with? The same word that Paul preached when he planted. He continued to tell them the same truth. He's not preaching some new message. He's preaching the same message to them. So the Bible calls the hearing and the hearing and the hearing and the hearing of the word watering the seed. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means the first time you hear it, the seed is planted. Just like Jesus said. How do you water the seed? You keep hearing it. So what do we know about this stony type of ground? They stopped listening. They took hold of it. They received it. They said, this is great news. But they either through ignorance or through lack of diligence didn't put the time and the effort into continuing to hear the word because it's the continuation of hearing the word that causes faith to build more and more and more. You don't get it the first time you hear it. None of us do. How many of us could tell stories about, oh, we've listened to messages on the subject of faith forever, and all of a sudden we heard something that was like it was brand new, or we saw a scripture and part of it just came alive, and I've read that scripture hundreds of times before. That happens to us all the time. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing, not just hearing once, hearing and hearing continuously. So here where it says, and they had no root in themselves, verse 17, it means they didn't continue to water the seed. They didn't continue to hear the truth that they first heard preached. They had no root or moisture in themselves and so endure but for a time. Folks, if you don't keep yourself in the word, what you heard before will wear off. Why? Because you're hearing something else. And whatever you're hearing else, you're building faith in. See, faith is positive or negative. You can believe in the right things just as much as you can believe in the wrong things. But it's just as easy to believe the wrong things as it is to believe the truth of the word. Easier, maybe, because you're getting it from more sources. So he says, they have no root or moisture in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake. Why does affliction, affliction means hard places, test trials and troubles. Why does affliction or why does persecution arise? For the word's sake. It's what we said before. The devil is trying to distract you from the truth of God's word. And he'll use whatever circumstance he can to get you off track. To get you from, to keep you from looking continuously at the truth of God's word. And when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Here's the word ensnared. Immediately they are ensnared. Who snared them? The devil with their cooperation. They cooperated by not watering the word that they first heard, not watering the seed. But it's the devil's work to ensnare them. So what did he use? He used affliction, test trials and troubles, and he used persecution. 
He used people talking against them, and he used the circumstances of life to cause them to be offended. Now, folks, everybody has afflictions and persecutions. It's not just this type of group, type of people that afflictions and persecutions come to. They come to everybody. The question is, how are you going to handle it? These folks allow it to ensnare them. They get offended. Maybe they say, well, I didn't expect it to be this hard. Well, when Pastor Mike was preaching, he didn't say it was going to be tough like this. Or they may get their feelings hurt because people talk against them and say, well, I don't know why people are against me. I'm just trying to love God. I'm just trying to serve God. Maybe it's their family that says, you're not one of those faith people now, are you? Can't tell you how many people I've seen fall to that one. Well, it's just too hard. My family is just, my family's telling me that's a cult. It is. It's Jesus' cult. <clears throat> it could be any number of things, but it's all designed for one insane purpose, and that is for you to be offended. Why? Because when you're offended, you cannot produce fruit. When you're offended, you can't produce the fruit of God's blessings in your life, whether they be healing, whether it be prosperity, whether it be any of the things that the Bible says belongs to you, the peace of God, etc. You can't produce fruit as far as the fruit of the Spirit is concerned when you're offended. It hinders and stifles fruit production. And the devil is all about you being robbed of God's blessings in your life. Turn with me over to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 tells us, it's, in my opinion, one of the most important passages of Scripture throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus starts telling the disciples, and uh, well, there's a multitude of people. He's just fed the 5,000. He starts telling the multitude about uh, who he is, that he came down from heaven, that he's the Messiah, and so forth. <clears throat> and the, the Jews... The religious leaders, they get all upset about this because they say, wait a minute, how can he come down from heaven? We know who his parents are. Isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? In other words, they took what Jesus said about himself being sent from heaven and they judged it against the thinking that they had about who he was. They turned into wayside people. They're saying what Jesus said can't be true because of what we know. We know his parents. Well, did they? They thought they did. They knew who he grew up with. But did they know his parents, really? And so Jesus said, uh, um, well, what are we going to start? I want to take the whole thing here. Notice it says, uh, well, he goes further and says, except verse 53, Verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, folks, drinking blood of any type was contrary to the law of Moses. And so... It's interesting to me that Jesus found that these people, the Jews, the religious leaders, he's not talking to the crowds at this point. He's talking to the religious leaders in the synagogue. He takes this and knows that he's hitting them right between the eyes. They don't believe that I'm sent from heaven, even though they've seen the miracles, even though they've seen the blind eyes open and so forth. They don't believe, even though they've seen the miracles, even though they saw me multiply the loaves and the fishes. They refuse to believe. And so now instead of trying to salve their conscience or try to explain to them or try to say it in some palatable way, he hits them right between the eyes. He says, you think that was tough to believe? Wait till you hear this. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Well, that sends them over to the edge. They says, What? That's so contrary to the law of Moses, that's impossible. 
Why? Because of what they think. Now, what are they faced with? They're faced with the same situation, the same opportunity that you and I are. You've got the Word of God, and you've got your thinking and circumstances. Same exact situation that all of us face every day. You've got God's Word saying one thing. You've got your own thinking or your own circumstances saying something else. You've got God's Word saying that God will meet your needs, and you've got your bank book saying you're under water. Which one's true? They can't both be true. They may both be facts, but they can't both be true. How can we reconcile this? This is what they're faced with. You've got God's Word, which is true because God said so, and you've got your circumstances, which contradict everything that God's Word is saying. What are we supposed to do? Jesus does not let up on these people when they're faced with that circumstance. Please understand that. It's not just the devil that gives you opportunities to be offended. The God's Word always gives you opportunity to be offended. Always. Yeah, but wait a minute, Pastor Mike. The Bible said God doesn't test us. No, it doesn't say that. It says God doesn't test you with evil. God tests you every day of your life. The Word of God is a test every day of your life. Are you going to believe what you see and feel? Or are you going to believe what the Bible says is true? That's a test. Tithing is a test. Are you going to do what you think is best to do with your money, or are you going to obey what the Bible says to do with it? It's a test. It's the same test as Abraham taking Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice. It's a test. God just doesn't use evil. God doesn't use sickness to test you. He doesn't use poverty to test you. He doesn't use anything except one thing, and that is his word. And that is a continuous test. Now, folks, let me, let me encourage you on something. It's just like with school. You learn how to pass the test early. It's the same test over and over and over again. Pass it young. Then it's easier when you get old because it becomes second nature. You become accustomed to it. It's not a hard thing anymore. You realize the benefits thereof. But that's what Jesus does. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And then he explains that he's the bread of life. He explains some of those other things. Then it says, um, uh, after he comes out of the synagogue, verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard it, now these are Gentiles mostly, the Gentiles couldn't go into the synagogue, so they come outside and now the, the word starts spreading. Man, you should have heard what he said inside. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. He said, what? Well, that can't be right. Gentiles are thinking, we don't know anything about the law of Moses and could care less, but who wants to eat his flesh and drink his blood? That sounds gross. Maybe this is a cult after all. Now, folks, is Jesus telling them the truth? Is their lack of understanding of the truth change it from being the truth? And that is the issue with the Word of God forever. It is true. Whether you understand it or not, it is true. Whether you ever realize it in your life or not, it is true. Forgiveness is the real test of the love of God because people are going to offend us and we're going to get our feelings hurt. But forgiveness is about making a decision to let the love of God dominate us instead of walking according to how we feel. Thanks for being with us today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So faith begins where the will of God is known. 
God's Word reveals His will to you. And once you know His will, there is nothing that can stop you from receiving what God has for you. That is the number one problem, the number one objection that everybody has, no matter what the area is, healing or whatever, that is the number one objection that people have. They don't know if it's God's will for them. Well, how are we going to find out? The answer is in the Word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.